major things I always love to celebrate when I remember the, the cross. But in those three major things are incumbents of other things. And those of you who have been with me for years will remember that I always read it. The first one is Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. The three things the cross of Calvary did. The first thing is, is this. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son. This is God. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The major, let me say, the first most significant thing that the cross of Jesus did was the moment Jesus was nailed to the cross and Jesus said, it is finished. The gate of salvation is open to all sinners. You know, some people find it hard or some people are, some people are, uh, develop various philosophies to try to confuse the ignorance about Christianity. I was discussing this with uh, Pastor Elizabeth. She was discussing some things with me today, which I have been discussing with the Lord about three weeks. Because some young folks now just began to fall into the error of not really believing there is God. And it's growing among young folks. Unfortunately, the target of this error is the youth in the church. And there are many youths in many churches who just left the church and they start arguing the validity of whether God is. Alright? You know that one of the things that is so easy for Satan is to prey on the intelligence of young people. Because young people crave for knowledge. Alright? When you are young, you are craving for knowledge. And so the devil always attacks them to delude them. Alright? But, you know, I was telling her that I decided that I will do some lectures among you. They will be purely intellectual lectures. And those intellectual lectures will pick up the, in quote, intellectual argument of the perpetrators of these philosophies. And I will bust their philosophy one after the other by philosophy of Jesus Christ. So that it will be easy for anyone who have been deceived, or if you know a friend who have been deceived about all this stuff, you will know what to argue. Because we know the question they may ask you, and you have a good answer that will quell their thoughts. But let me say this to you. Jesus Christ, when he was nailed to the cross, the Bible says, God rescued us. The word rescue is a word you use as a means of escape to somebody who probably has been, uh, you know, surrounded by misfortune or, you know, death or enemy. We were all caged by the devil. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 to 3 applies. When we're born into this world, we're born in sin 
evidence is that nobody teaches you and I what sin is. When you first beat the breast, the nipple of your mother, you did not go to school to buy the nipple. And some of you really did it. And you're looking at me like that. Eh? When you first abuse your friend and insult him or curse him or, you know, say swear word, you weren't taught. It's not because you were taught. If you were, nobody spoke it before you. Of course, languages are picked up because somebody used the language. But the first time you, you, you decided to do evil, it's not because you were taught. It's because something is working inside you, which is the natural man. And when you grow up to a particular age, you discover that there are some habits in your life that you have picked up. They become stigmatic and you couldn't, you know, divide them from yourself. Though you don't like it. This is the reason why Jesus died and God came to rescue. But you see, when the Bible says God has rescued us or for he has rescued us, that he is referring to God, the Father. And he told us from what were we rescued. He says from the dominion of darkness. From the dominion of darkness. The King James Version says, Who had delivered us from the powers of darkness and had translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, two major things you must not miss in this is dominion where you are delivered from and the kingdom where you are translated into. I want you to give me your attention because I will stop in the 15 minutes. The word translation is a mathematical word. Translation is when an object changes in the three dimensions. That's a translation in mathematics. X-axis changes, Y-axis changes, and Z-axis changes. Therefore, when you are translated from a place to another place, there is a big gap between the two places and they have no relevance with one another. Therefore, dominion of darkness is over the earth while the kingdom is in heaven. No wonder the only appropriate word to qualify in the understanding of man what God had done is translation. Now listen to me, therefore. He that is in the kingdom is above he that is in dominion. Kingdom is ruled by kings. Dominion is ruled by servants, princes. So when God translates you and I from dominion, he now places us in kingdom. That's the reason why Christians have the same authority like Jesus had. We have authority over demons. We have authority over men. We have authority over powers of hell. We have authority over sicknesses. We have authority over anything that can be found in dominion. Because when we speak, we speak in our capacity as kings 
in the kingdom. Someone was, someone called me in a few days ago. I replied to the person. The person came over yesterday uh, to have a meeting with me. And that person, when he came, I never, I have met him before, but I couldn't recognize him. And when he came, he said, Apostle, 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 I thank God that I can come over. He said, when you called, I knew. I said, that is a man of God. He said, I have watched you, my wife and I, for years. And he said to me, you carry the very word of God in your lips. And the man said, you will never be able to understand how much the words you speak has transformed the whole of my family. Listen to me. He said, before we were slaves of fear. He said, when we started listening to you, we discovered that there is nothing to fear. You can never understand when a whole family is living in terrible fear. And then because of information that they got, they now the whole family got liberated from fear. Fear and phobia work together. They all begin with fee fee. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. You know somebody will just start running when nobody is chasing him. Because he's just afraid of what? Of nothing. But when the word of the kingdom is released upon the servant under dominion, and that under dominion accepts the saving grace that is given through the cross of Calvary, an instantaneous work happens by God through his holy angels. And they will pick that person from confession and they will throw him out of dominion. He will land in the kingdom and he carries the key of the kingdom. He carries the authority of the kingdom. He carries the power of the kingdom. And that's the reason why he must also work in the ethics of the kingdom. Listen to me. When a Christian is saying that some devils are chasing him, it just it is just nonsense. Because it's not it can't happen. It cannot happen. A person in the dominion have no access by any means. There's only one means by which you can enter the kingdom. And that is through the cross. For demons, the cross of Calvary can never work for them because they stand condemned, the Bible says, Jesus said in John. But you see, I will talk to you on Sunday about the power and the authority and the liberty of the kingdom. Many of us, though, are in the kingdom, but we are still behaving as if we are under dominion. Our case is like the case of a bird that had been caged from the time it was hatched and then for 10 years. He flies to the left, he meets the cage. He flies to the right, he meets the cage. He flies to the other side, he meets the cage. After a time, we understand by science that his, null, his brain will become climatized to the range of his movement. Okay? When you keep a bird, that's what happens to them. So, when the cage is removed and there's nothing more, when he flies to that very spot, he stops because his brain has been climatized to. Even here in England, you know, and Europe, you know, they have these fences to stop 
animals from going from one farm to the other. And those fences are, you know, they carry a little bit of current. So when the animals get there and they have a little shock, they stop. Then when they remove the fence, when the animal grazes to that place, he stops by himself. He will never graze beyond. No, there is nothing to stop him. And this is the lifestyle of many people because when you are translated from dominion into the kingdom, you have to understand it's a different territory altogether. First thing is that you must first accept and appreciate that your sins have been forgiven and you are now members of the kingdom. It is very hard for people to forgive themselves. Forgive yourself because the one that you offended already has forgiven you. You are members of the kingdom. All right. I think we spoke a little bit about that yesterday. I said 15 minutes. Go straight to the next one. This is the next one. Colossians 2.13. It says, When we were dead in our, in, when you were dead in your sins, and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us how many of our sins? How many of our sins? How many of our sins? Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. Do we have people from headquarters here? You are not here at all. I said, how many sins did he forgive you? Hey, you are just showing off now, you know? Because, you see, those who are in cathedral are special people. Hallelujah. When they cast that devil, they will tell the devil, can you come up, please? Very cut Very cut Very cut in cathedral. You know, it's a cathedral, man. Uh, when they see some devils misbehaving, they say, hi, Mike. <laughs> Hello, Mike. Let me say something to you. Either you know it or not, from the day you said yes to Jesus, all your sins disappeared. All your sins disappeared. Once you say yes to Jesus, all your sins disappeared. How? By God. He rescues you by himself, the Father who created all things. Then he blots out all your iniquity so that he can never come before you any longer. Woe to the man who tells you that you are suffering because of your past sins. He doesn't jail. He's the deception of the devil. Now listen to this. But he says that before that happened, we were dead in our sins and uncircumcision of our sinful nature. In another words, we were reckless sinners. Some of us, we drink sin, we bath sin, we live in sin, we sleep in sin, we dream in sin, and wake up in sin. Are we together now? And sin had destroyed us to the place where it killed us. And buried us. Underneath us is sin, around us is sin, over us is sin, so we are buried. You will never appreciate much or fully the, 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 the work of salvation. That the power of God went through all dead bodies and got to some of us at the rock bottom of death in sin. Because you cried out from the belly of the whale. And he had your voice. And he brought you out. Even sometime when we accepted Jesus, we didn't know what we were doing. We just accepted him anyway. Some of us went to God and said that, God, I'm fed up. If you like, save me. And he saved you. Oh, yes. 
that I'm just fed up. I turn to the east, no way, left, no way. But he knows that your spirit is crying for truth. Say, God, if you are somewhere, do something. And he did something. I mean, can you imagine that, God? You are challenging him and yet he saved you. Because he's not, God doesn't care about what you're saying is your heart. That he's dealing with. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And some of us, you know, we had the message that we came crying to the altar and he saved us. Either you were a gentleman saved or radically saved. God saved you anyway. Hmm? He forgave you all your sins. Not one remain. So if God forgive all your sins, can he remember the sins of your fathers? Come on, come on, come on. I can't hear you. God forgive all your sins, but for the sins of your ancestors. Yes? Is that what your own Bible says? I can't hear you. No, God forgave you all your sins, but for the sins of your ancestors. So where do you find generational curses then? Lie of the devil. It does not exist for those who are in Christ Jesus. Listen to the next one. Verse 14. It says, having counseled the written code with its regulations, I love this. This is a legal word. It said, having counseled the written code, which is the statutes or covenants that have been written and been sealed, God canceled it along with all the subsidiary statutes, primary statutes was canceled. Every subsidiary status was canceled. Let me see how this thing operates. Well, I'm going to teach you more about spiritual warfare. Satan in his control room has his boardroom where they make primary governance to govern the life of everybody. Then they assign authorities to powers. Principalities of powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual hosts of wickedness that form the infantry that, that take care of each family and each area. And these spirits haven't been given the primary instruction by the devil. They interpret it in their own way to be able to govern an individual person and govern their domain. It's the principle of law. Primary status by the parliament and then the local authorities just give you a secondary status. But God says to me, it doesn't matter what operation, what status they're operating by. God cancelled every primary ordinances against you and he destroyed all the regulations, wherever they may come from. Now, you cannot tell me that after, haven't God cancelled it, those things become, they are still active? Let me help you understand. Now, those of you who are legally inclined, let me read to you that very scripture in Revised Standard Version. It says, Chapter 2, Colossians, this is, when I was reading this, I said, look, I don't know why they removed Revival Standard Version. May God forgive those who did that. Look at what it says in Revised Standard Version, verse 14. Haven't canceled the bond which stood against us with its legality, with its legal demands, he set aside 
He set aside, nailing it on the cross. I think that's talking about something similar to corporate veil. You know, Lord believes that, you know, company is a, is a, is a person. It's true. And you act under the company. Anything you did, it is company who did it. Yes? How many of you here, your company goes to sign contract and you stay at home? You know, you are the one who signed the contract on behalf of the company, isn't it? All right? And then when you sign a contract, then the company is, is binding on the company, isn't it? So because your company is a legal person, all right, whatever you do in your capacity as working on behalf of the company, it is the company that did it. All right? So some people decide to be crook. And they decide to be thief under the company. And then they will set out some other company owned by the company, set another company owned by the same company, that company owns that company. And the man, the shadow man there is the one taking the company's money into his pocket. Oh. Open the company, do people, close it down, and the money goes into the pocket of one man. So out the way now, it is the company that stole your money. Okay? And you can't sue company because they have closed down the company after using it to steal your money. The Lord then says, they will set aside the principle. When they set aside the principle, what are they doing? The man who is hiding behind, they grab him by law. It's the company that duped you in law. The judges don't want to do anything against the law. So because they don't want to contravene the law, okay, they would rather set it aside, okay? Say, Lord, stay in one side. Let's look behind the veil of this sham of fraud. It is Brother Eliganza, the Grabian. So when the Bible says God set aside all the covenant statutes of which you and I operated under Satan, Satan has his principle that if you do this by me, this is what I will do for you. I know Satan don't do good. If I make you do this, I will do this to you also. Okay? If you do this, you are cursed. Curse is he that did this. Curse is he that did that. Curse is he that did that. Curse, 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 curse. Now, God said, because of the cross of Jesus Christ, God took that covenant, he set it aside, and he took it to the cross, and he nailed it there. So that anybody who is a criminal under the covenant of Satan, the moment you cross the border to become a child of God, the consequence of that criminality cannot chase you or haunt you in any form, shape, or way. Listen to me. You know, sometimes when you read the Bible, some people think that those who wrote the Bible are foolish. Holy Ghost wrote this thing, man, using the hand of man. All the intelligence under heaven, no wonder, they emanate from this scripture. Whatever career you are doing in the world, if you read the Bible, where you find it. I did not know when I was uh, a layman that the world is, um, is uh, a spheroid. 
When I looked like this, I thought it was flat. I've even heard that some people said the world is flat now. There's a person who I was told said he had gone to the edge of the world and he saw that it's flat. Some people believe that. <laughs> Do you believe that, child? The man went to the edge of the world. Where were you when he went there? He would have taken his photograph and come and show us now. Isn't it? Uh-huh. But when I was taken to school to learn surveying, I, I was able to, to, to observe the stars, the moon, measure their angles and their, the, you know, calculate their distances and use geometry to calculate the distance. And I discovered that when, I, when you measure a distance of 10,000 kilometers, your line of sight begins to curve. Okay? So we have to now do some calculation to correct the error in physics to be able to get the straight line instead of getting a chord, the arc of a chord. But when I read the Bible, it says he sits on the circle of the world. Isaiah says so. So it has been in the Bible for years that God sits enthroned on a spheroidal, a spheroidal world. But people didn't read it. So the first man came and said the world is flat. Another one came and said the world is a cylinder. And everybody was following him until they discovered that no, the world is not a cylinder, it's the cone. Other people started following the cone. Everybody started following the cone. And then they discovered that it's not a cone. There's something like gravitational pull at the two edges of the world. And then they came and said that, well, it's a cycle. A cycle. And then, after some time, they discovered that it is a circle flattened at the both poles. And then they came about right in. The Bible said it years before scientists discovered it. That God sits on the circle of the world. And when you sit on a circle, what happens? It flattens where you sit. Yeah? So, God sits on the circle of the world. The world is a circle, and then God took a seat on it. So it flattens on the two poles. Simples. Bible says so. Hmm? Look. My 15 minutes is over. So therefore, Jesus went to the cross so that any covenant of your forefathers when it comes to you, it's non grata. It's null and void. Whether your, your grandfather was a murderer, you are not your grandfather. You are a life giver. Amen? Amen? So if there's a particular disease in your family, that disease should stop over you because you have been disconnected from that umbilical cord. Listen to me. Last thing he did for you. Let's read verse 15 together. I want cathedral people to show me they are here. Shall we read it together? Heaven. So the 14 say haven't cancelled. The 15 says haven't disarmed. Past participle tense. It already had taken place. What is taking place is available for anyone who wants to use it 
to grab it and use it. So therefore, let me say this in closing. The devil can go about killing people and using an arrow and people are, are, are falling like that. When, he, when the arrow passes through you, what will be, he will be amazed about is that the arrow has passed, but you are still standing. You are still standing. Look, let me say something to you. Satan don't kill Christians. When our time is over, we shake our clothes and walk out of these worms you call body. Satan don't kill us. Put a, a gun in the brain of a Christian. If God, is not, if God has not said it's over, that bullet may pass through, his brain will remain intact and the body will remain intact. If someone chooses a Christian and he dies, it's because God had numbered that day for him to come. We have many testimonies about that. There is no weapon of the devil when it comes to a believer that can work. Because heaven disarmed. So if demons are messing about and they are messing people up, when they turn to a Christian, they have no ammunitions. They have no ammunitions. You will succeed. Yeah. You didn't get what I said. I said you will succeed. Yeah. Uh-huh. Someone says that I tried this, I feel I tried that, I feel I tried this, I feel. No, try Jesus. You will always pass. Hallelujah, somebody. Remember, your sins all have been forgiven by the cross of Calvary. Because when Jesus died, God rescued you himself. Took you away from all the manipulation of hell and sat you with him, the Father. Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 19. Alright? And chapter 3, no, chapter 2, verse 6, chapter 1 from verse 19. Ephesians. You have been raised with Christ in chapter 2, verse 6, and you are seated with him in the right hand of God in the heavenly place. Don't, don't worry about how you feel. I'm telling you what you really are. You don't have to feel like a man to be a man, okay? That's what you are. Remember, he disarmed principles and power because of it. Then, he destroyed every accusation, every written code, that might have been against you before you were born. And since you were born, up to this time. And all the regulations attached to it, which are sentences for those mishaps. God canceled it. So if God set you free, who can bind you? Come on, let's stand up together. I want us to lift up our voice unto God and thank God for salvation. Just thank God for Jesus. Begin to thank God for Jesus. Thank God for the cross of Calvary. Somebody thank God for the cross of Calvary. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the price you paid, bearing all my sin and shame.